Suffering, it's your boy Marty here to introduce this rip of TFTC. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at River. River's the best place to buy Bitcoin. You can easily buy and sell using the app. If you dollar cost average, you're not going to pay any fees on those buys. If you set up um, daily, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, whatever it is, you set that up, set it and forget it. You're not going to pay any fees on that. They have limit orders as well. So maybe you want to price snipe and set your your buy below where the current price is or above where the current price is. You can easily do that within the app now as well. They have auto withdrawals. They really value self-custody at River. So you can give them an address to a wallet that you control. And once you hit a certain threshold, they'll send the Bitcoin directly to that wallet. They're doing it the right way. They build everything in-house. They don't have any third-party dependencies. They don't depend on... Fortress Trust or Prime Prime Trust or any other third parties. They build their wallets, uh, their multi-sig cold storage in-house. Everything's backed one-to-one, fully reserved. Go to river.com slash TFTC. Sign up today. Great time to start sacking sats. River's a great place to do it, not financial advice. This was also brought to you by good friends down the hall, Unchained. It's lively down there right now. And then they are strong down the hall. They're leading the way in terms of leveraging Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties to bring you products that give you peace of mind, whether that's their vault product, their core product, which is a two or three multi-sig, where you can hold two keys, you can hold one key, you can hold no keys. They've got multi-institution, multi-sig now, partnerships with CoinCover, Kingdom Trust. They just announced Backed last week, really leading the way on multi-institutional, multi-sig. Again, they had that vault product. You can buy Bitcoin easily and sell Bitcoin via Unchained. Buy and send it directly to your vault. They have an RIA product, which gives you peace of mind, uh, knowing that your retirement funds are in Bitcoin in a wallet with keys that you control. You can roll your IRA over. Uh, they have an inheritance protocol, too. Talk about peace of mind, passing your Bitcoin on. Uh is a big problem that many people think of. Unchained has created an inheritance product, a protocol to make that as easy as possible. So hit them up. Go to unchained.com slash consultation to learn more about what they're building, why they're building it, and why you should be securing your Bitcoin interacting with their products. They do it the right way, freaks. Unchained.com slash consultation. Set up a call today. This trip was also brought to you by friends at CrowdHealth. CrowdHealth is here help you bring sovereignty to your healthcare. If you're in Bitcoin, you're finding monetary sovereignty in the Bitcoin protocol. You should go seek sovereignty in other parts of your life. Healthcare is one of the pivotal parts of your life. CrowdHealth is really attacking the health insurance model, which is typically expensive, opaque, impersonal. CrowdHealth isn't health insurance. It's crowdfunded healthcare. You join the CrowdHealth community. You pay a monthly fee. If you ever go to the doctors, you pay the first $500 of that bill, then the rest is crowdfunded by the CrowdHealth community. They have a Bitcoin community. And the beauty of CrowdHealth is that you have health advocates. So you can get a personal experience, talk to somebody to advise you on what to do if you have a healthcare incident or health event that you need to take care of. They advocate for you with the doctors. Since you're paying out doctors in cash, they can negotiate prices lower and they get very steep discounts on everything. 
It's a beautiful thing. Uh, if you're looking to take sovereignty over your healthcare, me and my family have done this. We've been using CrowdHealth for almost two years. The experience has been incredible. It's much better than the health insurance industry. We were on Cobra, very expensive. CrowdHealth is much cheaper, much better experience. It's a beautiful thing. Go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC. Sign up today and you're going to get $99 for your first six months of subscriptions to the CrowdHealth community. Join crowdhealth.com slash TFTC. This trip is also brought to you by our good friends at Bitcoin Talent Co., a recruiting firm built by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners. If you're a company in the space looking to hire talent, to poach talent from the tech industry, from the banking industry, go get onboarded with Bitcoin Talent Co. They understand Bitcoin. They know multi-sig. They know mining. They know lightning. They're not just some run-of-the-mill recruiting firm that's going to try and gouge you for fees. They actually are going to help you find the talent that you need. And since they know Bitcoin, they know what you're looking for. They have a flex product as well. Maybe you don't need a full-time employee. You just need a contractor for three months, six months to help you on a development sprint, a design sprint, growth marketing sprint. You can tap into their flex network as well. Uh, If you're looking to get into the space and get into the best companies in the space uh, and you're in the tech industry or the banking industry or somewhere else, go set up a profile with Bitcoin Talent Co. Get in the mix, get your resume out there and come help us build a future built on a Bitcoin standard. Go to bitcointalent.co, tell them that TFTC sent you. Enjoy this rip. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. How about them Eagles, dude? Hell yeah. What a much different headspace this week after that (laughs) W. (laughs) That was probably the most hard fought win we've had. Yeah, the Eagles refuse to die, just like Bitcoin. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, we watched it at the house. My family was still in town for Thanksgiving. Big Philly crew. I can't imagine being at that game. It looked pretty miserable. Yeah, I gave my tickets to uh, one of my buddies. He said it was top five game he ever been to, but it was uh, got pretty gnarly with the weather there. Yeah. Birds are looking good right now. I agree. It's a resilient team. One of the worst point differentials in uh, NFL history for a team with this sort of record, but they just find a way. They find a way. Jake Elliott. Beast. 60-yard bomb yeah. in the rain. Into the rain, into the wind. Uh, Never a doubt. Don't want to pump our pump our stuff to a prep kid, touchdown. Another prep kid, big first down. Alameda, Zacchaeus, yeah. yeah. Two prep kids on the team. Yeah. No Malvern guys. The prep. We had the NASA brothers. That was our claim to fame, but <laughs> they're both out of the league now. For those of you who are wondering, I'm sitting down with Matt from Unchained, a fellow Philly scumbag. Is that what we are? Yeah, that's, that sounds right. Stash is extra scummy today. <laughs> <laughs> You're building some pretty important stuff. We like to think so. I like to know so. Mm-hmm. Somebody uses it. Yeah. Family uses it. And you guys have been pushing like crazy. 
Yeah, I've been pretty happy with our uh, our speed over the past six months or so. We really tightened up focus in the summer and just stuff some coming off the assembly line. Yeah. Well, before we get into what's coming off the assembly line, I think it's important to set the context for how you ended up at Unchained because Will Coles told mm. me the story many times where you basically just showed up to with a bunch of hardware wallets. You're like, I just play with these things all day. <laughs> Believe me, I know what I'm doing. Pretty much, yeah. And he... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was like two and a half years ago now. Um, and yeah, it was just sort of, uh, I wanted to get into Bitcoin, like professionally, there just wasn't that many companies that I found that interesting. You know, there wasn't that many Bitcoin only companies, had a good mission, uh, seemed to be, you know, have like a reasonable track record at that time. It was still pretty early in terms of Bitcoin companies um, having like been around for multiple years and, you know, Unchained's been around for a while now, um, but it's still very early. It's still very early as, you know, there's how many of Bitcoin only companies really are there that are, that are focused on, you know, like uh, basically traditional financial services, high net worth clients and stuff like that. There's a growing number, but it's still nothing compared to say, like go to Silicon Valley, you see just a million mar marketing tech SaaS companies, you know, yeah. come out every week. <clears throat> yeah. We're uh, pretty far away from that. Yeah. Which I like. I like being early. Yeah. I like being early too. It's a, uh, it's exciting too. It's just fun to see how, how you think the game's going to unfold and knowing that, you know, you're still in the early innings Yeah, and you got a good game plan. What drew you to the security custody side of it? Um, well, I think for me, it was just kind of going through the paces of talking about just how early we are. Right. It's like, all right, what actually matters the most right now it's really helping people get more bitcoin and then not losing it it's really that simple uh and unchained was doing you know i still think we're doing the best at that and so and then once you got once i got talking to the people you know met will parker so like these are these are my guys you know uh, yeah this is just a good vibe a good uh culture like the way people work there and there's a lot of amazing people at Unchained that are not very public, you know, no one knows about them. They're just heads down building, you know, and like the work is going to speak for itself. And you look back 10 years later, be, be really proud of what we built. And that, that I, I like that, you know, it's not a bunch of people just always being in the public, you know, kind of um, just debating or, or talking and just focus on building. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's important what you guys are building. Again, going back to the fact that we're early. I'm sure you've heard this before, but I believe there's an order of operations that needs to be fulfilled for Bitcoin to attain the level of success that many of us think it can attain in custody, solving these problems of getting people Bitcoin and then helping them secure it in the best way possible is on the very front order of that, mm -hmm. maybe right behind full node distribution and hash rate distribution. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think that It'll be interesting to see, I mean, we have a lot of mining clients, of course, and so it's just interesting sort of those companies, bull bear market, they're interfacing and they have specific financial services needs with Bitcoin too. And that's like a really fun problem space that, you know, we're looking forward to doing more stuff in next year. Um, but yeah, the custody piece is just so big. And when you think about like layering in the financial services on top of that, it, it it's interesting because... You can't like the the traditional banking business model isn't isn't available, you know, to a place like Unchained where, you know, core philosophy is, you know, people holding, uh, you know, their own keys. We're not rehypothecating. And so you can say these terms. There's no perfect analogy. Like we're building a bank on Bitcoin. It's like, well, so, sort of, but but not really, because 
the entire banking business model isn't really available to us. Uh, and so you have to find ways to be creative and what are the parallels and different types of services that are, that solve the same problems that people have in the fiat world, uh, but like on a Bitcoin standard and how do you help them adopt the Bitcoin standard at their own pace? So how would you describe what you guys are building? How would I describe what we're building? <clears throat> I think we're building, I, I really do think, and it'll, play out over the next couple of years, like we're really building that bridge between fiat and Bitcoin. Um, and we're helping people adopt the Bitcoin standard at their own pace and solve, uh, you know, financial needs they have, whether that's retirement products, you know, leaving your Bitcoin behind for loved ones, whether that's accessing dollar liquidity. Um, it really, it really is a traditional financial services business. Uh, however, the way that those products take form um, and building them directly on top of you know, an open distributed protocol, it just, it just looks and feels a lot different than a traditional financial services business like a Goldman or a JP Morgan or something like that. Yeah. And so what are the challenges of building on this open protocol and particularly leveraging something like multi-sig, like leveraging the open protocol to build a commercial business? Yeah, that's that's interesting. So I definitely think it was pretty eye opening for me when I joined Unchained, uh, having been like a Bitcoiner and a hobbyist, and you know playing around with all the stuff like you mentioned earlier. To 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 really building like enterprise software on top of that, uh, you learn. I mean, you learn how shitty Bitcoin D's API is. You know, that's definitely <laughs> that's definitely something that you learn pretty quickly. Um, I think that's that's an interesting piece. Um, you know, one other thing we've been dealing with lately that I think is fascinating for a Bitcoin company that other places don't have is, so typically you have different like development environments, right? You're, you're building locally on your machine, you know, you have like a staging or development environment, staging environment where you're deploying early preview versions of software where people are going around and playing and testing. And then, you know, you got like your quote unquote production environment where, you know, clients and users, that's like, that's, that's the party, right? Um, however, Bitcoin has its own sort of like set of environments, you know, there's, there's mainnet, then there's testnet, uh, signet, reg test. Um, and so like, how, what is that matrix? And how do you set that all up? And in a way where, um, you know, it's easy and like, effectively like QAing and testing software uh, against these different Bitcoin environments, not just our own code environments in a way where we're really confident that things are going to break when we go live. Like, it's like we move fast, but we don't move as fast as, you know, we don't release at the cadence that like typical Silicon Valley companies do because people's life savings are at risk, you know? And so like we really thoroughly test everything and that, that definitely presents a challenge. And, you know, there's always that push and pull because people want to move faster, but we don't want to break things either. Yeah. And on top of that, like the protocol is changing beneath you in some regards like wrap segwit addresses bec 32 addresses mm -hmm, mm -hmm. native segwit taproot and taking those into consideration testing them. <laughs> it's just yeah and the standards <clears throat> you know require adoption themselves and so <clears throat> we don't just interoperate with the bitcoin protocol but we have uh, you know our hardware wild vendors and signing devices that we interoperate with and now our new sort of network of keys and so as we start to turn Unchained into really like a platform, uh, which is what I actually think we're building in the long term, uh, that comes with its whole own set of challenges. And like, when do you pick up stuff? You know, you might get shamed on Twitter for not supporting like Taproot or something, uh, but there's actually like way more layers to that onion than it appears when you're doing that in a business context and not just like a little open source prototype project. Well, let's start with that. The standardization process across the industry, right? Cause that's like mm -hmm. one big hurdle before talking about order of operations before you can even get to the point where you guys feel comfortable building the product suite that you are. Yep. There has to be this somewhat 
the standard in many different many different standards as it pertains to how to set up a wallet, how to create a PSBT, mm-hmm. how to pass that along, how to coordinate, uh, like bringing together a multi-sig wallet. Mm-hmm. Like what are the standards that led to you guys being able to build what you're building in your opinion? Yeah. So, uh, we're, we're in a good spot there in terms of really relying on, you know, rock solid standards like PSBT, um, you know, HD wallets and keys hierarchy, you know, BIP 45 with our M45 derivation pass. Like we don't actually have SegWit yet, which people, you know, I'm sure people are aware of. Um, but part of that process to your point is you want, so signing devices have their own sort of restrictions, some of them on like what paths and what sort of uh, things they'll sign essentially. And so, you know, there's, we've been talking for a long time with different uh, signing device manufacturers about, Hey, here's kind of our standards, other, uh, you know, companies in the industry, what do you think about this? Uh, is there something we can all kind of get behind? It's not a lot of this stuff too. It's not really, they're not really BIPs, right? Because it's not like a Bitcoin improvement proposal, like for the protocol. It's just sort of like, Hey, what are these standards that it's, it's all, it's more like, um, <clears throat> if, you, if you're familiar with like the OSI model and like the seven layers of the, the internet stack, you know, like layer seven is HTTP and there's like the W3C and there's like certain standards on how to interface with that, build web browsers and build web applications. It's like more analogous to that where it's like, hey, we're building on top of this lower level, lower layer thing. Um, is there a way we can all kind of agree upon that like provides leverage for everyone? And, you know, there's way and you can you can really do whatever you want. Um like if it's your own setup, but that doesn't always mean you can build like a reliable thing on top of that for a large amount of clients who, once they start storing significant amounts of Bitcoin with you, you need to support that indefinitely too, right? And so you need to be very particular about when you choose to adopt something new and when not to, uh, because it has long-term ramifications. Yeah, most importantly, to ensure that it's interoperable and they decide to go use that Bitcoin if they do, they don't run into a situation where they're trying to send it somewhere else than the other software is like, I don't recognize this. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's something we're really proud of, of how interoperable we are. Like we're really just building right on top of that bare metal. Um, you know, even in our new delegated custody product where a client may not be holding any of the keys themselves, it's still collaborative custody. It's still just a multi-sig wallet that you can load up in Caravan or Sparrow or Electrum or any of these other tools. And, you know, if something were to happen, you can coordinate in meet space with the necessary key holders to facilitate a signature. Uh, and you get visibility into that, right? You can verify everything's there on chain. Uh, and that it, it's, it's more work to do it that way. Um, it really is, but it's worth doing it that way. And like our clients value it. And it's just like a core principle of the company. Yeah. And I mean, you guys have been working on this so long and it seems like, I mean, I, have close relationship with you guys. So I know that you guys are making like significant progress, particularly this year, but you're almost getting to a point where you're putting in many, many years of hard work where you just be able to sprint. Yeah. Not not move fast and break things, Mm -hmm. but, but just really go balls to the wall. Yeah, for sure. I, I think everyone, everyone feels it. I mean, we're, the momentum is building and there was a lot of kind of that infrastructural groundwork that needed to be laid. And then from there, you can let you can do new things and try things out more rapidly, um, just in a way that is 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 sustainable, and yeah. you're not just sort of like making decisions that, you know, you're going to have to cash that check later on in the future, and that's not going to be fun. Yeah. So, what do you think the role of keys in Bitcoin has been up to this point in Bitcoin's history? And you, I mean, you mentioned it, but like moving forward, like 
the network of keys mm-hmm. idea that you guys are really going after and spearheading. Like, do you think we'll look back on the first 15 years of how people manage private keys and be like, holy shit, I can't believe they were doing that. That's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I still think there'll always be people doing it the way, you know, it's been done up until this point. And the switching costs are so high, right? Especially, uh, you know, if the mempool never clears, right? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, it's, it's, it's expensive to move those funds on chain. And if you have something that you don't want to move for many years, even if it's a 10 generations, you know, previous of a setup, like you might still keep that. However, I think going forward, you know, we really just see it all being more collaborative. Um, and you know, the, the focus has been on kind of getting that for, like really large enterprises and such first, but that will continue to be expanded. So, you know, I could hold a key for you or you could hold a key for your family. And like, that's easy to do. And like, you're already the Bitcoin guy, right? And so they trust you, they'll have the tools and it'll start to look and feel a little bit more like how uh, traditional services are working where, hey, you know, I have my beneficiaries or a joint account or something. And, you know, like that, it, that will evolve, the UX will evolve in that direction. Um, all of the same stuff under the hood is there. Like it's it's still mechanically a Bitcoin multi-sig wallet uh, that requires M of N keys to, you know, uh, sign a transaction before it can be spent. But if you think about like all of the, the missing layers of design and experience that are on top of that, like that's what's gonna start to be layered in. And I think it'll be a lot more social. And like Block's obviously on this track, right? You know, mm-hmm. they ha- they're making some interesting design choices around, you know, the social recovery aspect and how that's gonna work. Uh, Thea, Y Combinator startups doing similar things like there's people on the on you know all on the same trail like kind of culminating around i think what will be like the next like step change evolution in custody yeah and i think it's really important that you guys and everybody else working on this particular design landscape within multi-sig doing it right now is extremely important because if we are turning into another bull market you have the institutions coming in the wave of adoption we're about to see, I think many believe it's going to be bigger than anything we've seen up until this point, like getting the stuff out the door to market so that you can basically bring a lot of that wave into this better user experience around key management is going to be massive. Cause we think of it again, saying we're so early in anchoring to the first 15 years of how people have secured their private keys like moving forward, if Bitcoin is going to succeed like we think it is, there's going to be orders of magnitude more people adopting Bitcoin and getting their first exposure to Bitcoin. Yeah, totally. And they can they can progress along that journey in a way that, you know, like right now you can either go with a custodian or like, you know, hot wallets on your mobile phone or you go like full hog into a um, uh, like some hardcore Bitcoin Twitter setup. Uh, there's no sort of like stepping stones along that journey and that's what we wanna provide. And so um, you, you can maybe start out where I'm holding a key and I'm change holding a key and uh, another third party's holding a key. But as you get more comfortable, then you can actually kind of go backwards, quote unquote, and start holding more of your own keys um, because now you're comfortable with it. And like, that's actually what we want. Like we want everyone to hold their own keys. Uh, we just need to, you know, we're reaching out to them right now. We can't get them all. And so we're trying to get a little bit closer to grab their hand and, you know, pull them along, along yeah. that journey in a way that they feel good about. And that's like super exciting. <clears throat> what do you think are the biggest misconceptions about holding your own keys oh man i mean there's so many i think like you you know the the classic like zoolander thing like the files are in the computer (laughs) right i mean i think that's a huge one it's sort of oh it's it's 
the Bitcoin's like on my phone and I drop my phone in the toilet and now it's gone. It's like, well, not act, not really. If you had your, your seed phrase back up, you can just load it into any of these other interoperable things. So I think there's, um, there's definitely a, a hurdle there. It's like, it's why a huge part of, uh, like the work you're doing and everyone in the space around education is so important, right? Every single adoption wave, this educational content gets like more and more evergreen because there are just some fundamental, like technical hurdles to get over. Um, you know, you mentioned Will earlier, and one of his his sayings was always, uh, you know, like driving a car isn't is like super dangerous and not easy, <laughs> but everyone does it. Like you get you get trained up and you're good to go, and you don't really think twice about it. And like ho- holding your own keys, once the UX is good enough, will like eventually feel like that too. <clears throat> yeah. But there's still major misconceptions about like what it what that even means. What are you doing? What do you mean I need to sign something or unlock some things? So there's not great analogies. <clears throat> no. I was just like my own experience. Like I was aware of private public key encryption before Bitcoin, but just knew of it. And not until I got into Bitcoin and actually wrote down my first seed phrase. I was like, Oh, this is how it works. Mm -hmm. Recover the wallet. And you're like, Oh, this is very important. This is very different. Like a new way of interacting with, with money that really raises the bar of risk number one and then two like personal responsibility yeah and then it's like that c phrase though it gets turned into what a string of what looks like gibberish to people which then gets turned into other things in a tree type structure and then if you actually don't know where on the tree because that's actually where your bitcoin's at if you don't know where on the tree then and the wild doesn't know because while it's coming back to the standards thing have different ways of doing it you know those are those are real hurdles to get over <laughs> yeah you gotta learn how to scan your wallet look exactly. at different derivation paths right go back and try to remember which wallet you created that private key with and yeah. what was their <laughs> derivation path out of the box. And did they change it over the two years since I last looked? <laughs> yeah. We had the situation at a 1031 event last year where one of the bartenders uh, became privy that he was bartending at a Bitcoin event and like <laughs> came up to one. I forget what wallet he was using. I think it might've been trust wallet or something like that, but he couldn't get it out. Um, and he thought he'd lost his Bitcoin forever. <sighs> Luckily, we had some hardcore Bitcoiners there. We're like, no, let's go back and look at how you created this private key, what derivation path they were using. Yeah, and so apparently he tried to upload his private key into a wallet that wasn't finding that derivation path. Mm-hmm. We're like, no, here's what you have to do. He found mm-hmm. his Bitcoin. Yeah, we Gap saw limits, him, all that stuff. We saw him again this year, and he sold it all up. Oh, well, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> He'll what be back. Yeah, they all will be. Yeah. So you mentioned UX. What do you think? the biggest gaps in UX are right now? Um, well, there's a lot of gaps. I mean, I could tell you like some of the things we're f- focused on solving um, as a way to frame it. So, you know, I think one of the interesting things about multi-sig and, and building better multi-sig UX is the the protocol is like pretty explicit, obviously, about what you can and can't do. Um, but when you start having multiple parties involved, multiple entities, multiple humans, um, that it, then now the challenges change. It's not just like, hey, do you have you have all three keys? Are you you know you need two of them? Are you securing them in different spots, et cetera? And like in general, it's kind of like a linear flow for yourself. Uh, once you have multiple different people collaborating, there's like a whole layer on top of that that doesn't really exist, and it will never exist in Bitcoin itself. Uh, like Bitcoin enforces the multi-sig contract, but on top of that, you know how how is key agent XYZ verifying you know 
it's like me and I have the, the intent to move all the funds out of my wallet. Um, how are they coordinating with the platform provider to make sure they give the green light to release that thing for signature? And so, you know, like some of the models we look at are like a GitHub pull request uh, and kind of how that goes. There's kind of synchronous things, there's asynchronous things, there's automated things happening in CI, CD checks and, and sort of it all kind of culminates in this like, all right, you know, let's merge us the master and ship it. Um, you know, we kind of envision a very similar like collaborative process and a, like a design canvas for that we're working on now is like, how is that going to work? And there's all these different entities involved and just getting a transaction through the process, uh, through the approval process. Has the fee environment changed? Because these can be multi-day things, right? So you can get wrecked if you said it, hey, at low priority, by the time you go to broadcast that, it's going to get purged. Uh, so even things like that are interesting challenges that, you know, you don't really have to think about in the fiat world or even in like a just, I'm just, you know, sending something over lightning or from my hot wallet. Yeah. You have to develop these social protocols. Yeah. It's like a meat space protocol, basically. Yeah. That's actually been one of the hardest parts of even getting to here is actually a lar it's largely a BD uh, and relationship and like, you know, looking at each other's audits and stuff process. Um, the software, if you can export an XPUB and sign a PSBT, like let's lock and load. Um, yeah. But it's actually the whole like, how do you even get someone to understand that this thing, like holding a key for others on this larger platform, building this larger network is even valuable to participate in to begin with, especially when they have their own customers, their own businesses and all that. Well, let's dive into this. Like number one, are people starting, it seems like you guys announced coin cover and backed mm -hmm. in the last month and a half, maybe last month, obviously Kingdom Trust mm -hmm. has been a key partner for, for years with the lending product. Are people becoming privy to the fact that this may be advantageous then on top of that, what type of unique business uh, structures can this enable? Because when you think about it, like typical fiat world, uh, particularly if we're looking at asset management, like each manager wants all the AUM under their house so they can get the fees. Mm -hmm. But in this new network of keys world, you can create much better end client assurances, but there's going to be like new business structures built on top of that. Cause you're going to have multiple institutions playing with each other to service this end client at the mm -hmm, end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think ultimately, um, you know, we envision a world where it's a free market. And so like different key agents are, you know, competing on, Hey, here's my SLA, here's my security procedures, here's what I'm charging. Um, and so it's really ends up look, starting to look more like a two or a multi-sided platform, like an Uber and Airbnb, you know, mm -hmm. would be sort of analogies. And so, but it, it will take time, like you ha always have to solve kind of the cold start problem when you're working through like multi-sided platforms. And so it's like, okay, what's the hard side? Is it the supply side of, uh, in this case, like keys is, or is it the demand side of people actually wanting this sort of model? And so the time is ripe now to be working on this. Like Unchained had for year, years ago had what was called like the multi-institution vault where it was Unchained, uh, Kingdom Trust and the client held one key. And there just wasn't a lot of demand for it at the time. And so we, we basically just turned it off for like a year, put, put that whole concept back on the workbench. And now have, you know, of course have recently relaunched that and are now kind of leaning in and sprinting towards it. Um, but the, the businesses are going to be really interesting because if you think about ultimately like some of the platform type capabilities you can build, like, you know, potentially other businesses, as, especially when traditional financial service businesses start getting in and want to offer Bitcoin to their clients, like they can do it in a way where they're sort of mitigating single points of failure. It's like, hey, 
sign up for custody through whatever, Capital One, we'll hold a key, you can hold a key, so-and-so holds a key. Uh, at that point, you're now, you know, you're beyond even thinking about like logging into unchained.com, uh, but it's just something totally different. It's like, it's just like amoeba that is growing and people are starting to realize the value of it and they can build those types of services directly because like that's what the market will demand. And so it'll, it'll move in that direction. <clears throat> and the most beautiful thing about this is it, is a forcing function for good actions by these companies at the exactly. end of the day. Like you get away from fractional reserve. They literally cannot mishandle your your funds without colluding with other members of that key quorum and the likelihood of other members colluding and ruining their reputation in the, the process is significantly lower than one institution just running with your funds. Exactly. It's, 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 it's a, theoretically a win for both sides, right? I mean, so many... You know, there's been a lot of businesses that have collapsed, in, you know, earlier this year as well, right? And there's been a lot of consolidation in the custodian market. And so this is sort of like opening that, that like letting that bloom a little bit more and saying, hey, this is good for you. You're still getting a piece of the pie. But also if like you go under, now the client's funds aren't totally at risk anymore either. Uh, and even if you're spreading across multiple, you know, putting the eggs in multiple baskets with like different custodians, you're not actually mitigating like truly any single points of failure there. Uh, you're just you're just like playing a probability game because if one went under whatever eggs are in that basket are crushed, they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We found that out with the banking crisis earlier this year. A lot of yeah. Bitcoin companies scrambling. like Silvergate's down Silicon Valley banks. Down. Right. First Republic's down. Right. A lot of, uh, bank account hopping. Yeah. And the regulatory environment is hostile. I mean, it is, um, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's a lot of that goes into, just even being able to operate a Bitcoin business at all, even just being able to get bank accounts and stuff. Right. And so, you know, that's something that people sometimes, you know, I think uh, you, you want to move fast, but you also want to be building redundancy and mitigating risk in your, like in your own ability to continue servicing clients forever as well. And so there's like a trade off there. Uh, and you saw with some of the scrambles that, you know, this like, Oh yeah, I think that's top of mind for everyone now. Yeah. And it's the same to think like this network of keys model, if regulators actually cared about end clients, this is like a two-parted problem. One part is like crypto, FTX, Celsius, BlockFi. Right. They blow up. Everybody who doesn't understand what's actually going on in the industry, more particularly between the individual companies, like comparing Unchained to BlockFi. It's like you guys were doing, offering similar services, but doing it in complete opposite ways. I think time has proven that you guys were doing it the right way. Um, but point being is like that all happens and really puts a black eye on the industry and the regulators just say, Oh, it's all bad. Um, but if they were forward thinking, they actually understood the network of keys that you guys are building and the way that you guys if we just look at lending as a service, how you guys have done it compared to others. It's leaps and bounds. Uh, better for the end client at the end of the day. Like they would be fighting for this to become the model of the financial system in the future. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, things are, we've invested a ton of resources into our, you know, compliance and risk team who are all like stone cold killers. And like, I mean, I'm like, they do such a good job, frankly, just like educating behind the scenes, you know, regulatory bodies and these other entities. And, you know, the, the things are, it's moving along. And like, uh, of course, having a model that 
essentially prevents loss or really significantly mitigates the risk of that happening. And then having an extended track record of that as every year goes by and more and more education happens, uh, you know, it, it starts to become a little bit, uh, a little bit more, those discussions are just like, all right, yeah, there's like less of let's start at zero and get there. You know, you're maybe starting a few levels in, which is nice. Yeah. And again, going back to like it being very important that you guys are launching this and others are going after it right now. Like if we rip into a bull market and you guys are successful in obviously servicing people as the price runs up, but more importantly, keeping pe people's Bitcoin secure as it goes back down, which if we're using history as a barometer, it's likely to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, does that create what I think we both want, which is the recognition that this is the standard that everybody should be using moving forward? Yeah, I mean, that's what we're hoping. I think um, I always just kind of come back to like the hash rate goes up and the number of people year by year who get it continues to go up. Maybe not at the rate that everyone, you know, wants. Um, it is a long game. And but for people to learn and once they get in, they very rarely kind of go out the other direction. And we have tools for that too. We just launched selling a couple of weeks ago where that, that is its own complicated thing, selling out of multi-sig. Um, but there are people who, who try and time it and play it and they, they do understand the long-term value prop. But uh, yeah, like as every cycle happens, more and more people holding their own keys or, or mitigating single points of failure, is that, not, that is the real NGU over time. Uh, and that's really exciting. Yeah, that really is. And fully fleshed out, like what is your cosmic view of where this network of keys goes? What is your 15 year look into the future? You guys have been successful. People get it. They've adopted it. What does the world look like? Well, hmm, 15 years. I'm usually an optimist on that long of a time frame. Uh, <laughs> That's so, why I extended yeah, it. Out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think. Um, I think what it looks like is like everyone has some has some Bitcoin and it's being secured by, if not a majority of themselves, like family members, friends, their estate planner, their you know registered investment advisor, uh, an inst another institution. Like the world is collaborating to secure the majority of the Bitcoin that's held, you know, outside of like single points of failure. Uh, I think that that is like the ultimate end goal. And you can measure that pretty concretely, right? Like how many keys are in the network? How many different configurations are there? How much Bitcoin's being secured? You know, we already have thousands of keys securing billions in Bitcoin. And that that's only going to keep going up. Uh, and it's really just distributing it wider and wider. So if you think of just like a visual of like a little network graph, you know, it's growing, more nodes are adding, there's more connections being drawn between nodes and it just starts to grow into this huge web. Uh, and you have to start somewhere and like seed that with some miracle grow. Uh, but like, and that takes time. But once it happens, then network effects happen. And so you get positive network effects on both sides of the platform where for every additional key added to the network, everyone gets value. It's like how Facebook grew, right? It's like, if all my friends are using it, every new friend that comes on, it's more valuable for me. Like ultimately the, the network of keys can grow in a similar manner where if we do it right, uh, it's just like, it's just compounding value, like layers of value building up over years and years. That's how like the true long lasting stuff is built. Yeah. And if the Bitcoin secured and collaborative multi-sig too, like you can see like this type of platform being the bridge that we need to get away from this banking system that's completely insolvent to 
a banking slash financial system that is rock solid where mm-hmm. the collateral is where you think it is when you think it is totally. Yeah. It's uh, I can see it. I can see it too. Clear as day, but there's a lot of time between now and 15 years mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. What, uh, <laughs> what are you most excited for like in the next six months in terms of unchain next six months? Hmm. I'm excited about a lot of things. I think just continuing to sort of build outs on this collaboration tooling uh, is going to be exciting. I think bringing in a little bit of the dollar side of the equation to the table. And so you sort of like really strengthening that bridge. Uh, we have a really good sort of one way bridge right now, uh, but it, 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 you know, making it so people can kind of go back and forth a little bit more seamlessly. I think that's going to be pretty exciting um, because it's sort of um, people are servicing these needs elsewhere, right? And so if you can get them to do it in one place while that while that's continuing to strengthen the network of keys and sort of like the Bitcoin in custody in that network of keys over time at their own pace, um, you know, we just think that that's just going to continue to add fuel to the fire. And there's some other interesting like financial service type stuff that that we've now laid the groundwork uh, to be able to do. And so like this week we're shipping... Um, Trust accounts is like a dedicated thing. We have a lot of a lot of clients use trusts. Trust is like a legal wrapper and structure uh, plays meshes really well with Bitcoin. Uh, and so, like, we're gonna have the best trust like account like in the world. Not not just not just for Bitcoin. I mean, go try and open a trust at like TD Ameritrade. It sucks ass. Um, it's gonna be really really nice. <laughs> and so, starting to build, starting to sort of like tighten up some of those. Hey, here's these like legacy like things that are going to be around for a while, whether even if they're just like paperwork or legal structures with like the Bitcoin side of it is going to be really exciting too. Yeah. And Bitcoin multi-sig for trust is beautiful. Yes. Yeah. As somebody not, if you have a trust, like you technically need to give up control of that assets, those assets within the held within the trust. And if you have a trust, that's just filled with Bitcoin. You can give one key to, your lawyer wants key to your state planner and then pick mm-hmm. another trustee. Yep. And you technically don't have control of the assets. And you have the paper trail and the audits and all the other stuff you need for it to like count, you know, in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. The real world comes in to make sure that you're checking all those boxes. It does. It does. <laughs> <clears throat> but it's still there. It's still secured in a Bitcoin multi-sig wallet, right? At the end of the day. Yeah. What, what do you think took people so long to recognize the validity of multi-sig hmm. and multi-institution more specifically? And are people even recognizing it? Yet? I think they're recognizing it. I think um, some of it is just still design challenges, you know, to your point, like it's hard enough to have gotten individuals to the point where they understood enough to just have one one key and secure their stuff that way. Uh, and then it sounds very complicated. It sounds like another like exponential leap to get the multi-sig. Um, but then really it's more on the, I think just it had to play out the way it has on kind of like the institution institutional side where, you know, of course the meme of institutions are coming. Well, like obviously they are to some extent, right? I mean, there's public companies holding on their balance sheet. Now the FASB rule goes in effect, what next year, 2025 officially 2025, but you can start using the guidelines next year, I believe. Yeah. And so just like seeing how it kind of functions as like a hedge, um, just like if you're looking at it, it's just like a traditional investment instrument. Uh, and then seeing how some of 
things have collapsed and played out, like all of that just, you know, for um, sharp individuals who are kind of like looking and gathering all that information and making an informed case, it really just starts, the cream just rises to the top in terms of being, oh, okay, multi-sig, no single points failure, has all the legal wrappings on top of it. Like it's just starting to like move in that direction. And so some of it is just, you know, it kind of had to play out the way it did. Um, I mean, the people early on, of course, who were enterprising could figure it out and realize that this was a rock solid way. Um, but if you think about it, like there's been a lot of improvements to the Bitcoin protocol itself and multi-sig, but really just, just the original like version of multi-sig is kind of all you need. It just takes time to build those layers on, on top of it and things to play out in like the macro environment to where people like recognize that's, that's my assessment. I mean, there's who knows if that's actually true, but that's how I see it. That's how I see it too. And to the point of like UX design, I mean, what's your perspective as somebody leading a product team, obviously heavily focused on the test technical aspects of what you guys are building and trying to find designers who can articulate that via visual mm -hmm. experience design. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, there's, there's certain aspects where not knowing anything about Bitcoin at all really helps. And then there's certain aspects where that harms, you know, our design team is kick ass. And I think they bring a, like a wide, a wealth of experience, both at in at having been in Unchained for a while and also their previous ventures building, um, you know, like higher performing software applications that kind of allow, like challenge everyone to see things in a new light. You know, I think the challenge always is, is you can only abstract away so much. Like at the end of the day, the reality of holding a key, you have this little device thingy, like what's that about? You know, those things are still there. And so figuring out how you can kind of weave education and, and sort of like guidance, you know, like navigate help people navigate through um and then end up in a spot where they feel like they're really comfortable that's always part of the big challenge um and i think that it's interesting like there's more and more like i would say design out of all the sort of technical disciplines of you know engineering product managers designers like there's definitely fewer designers who have sort of caught the the bitcoin bug in my in my sort of mm -hmm. estimation just like industry-wide than any other of the of the other disciplines and so we're fortunate to have you know some of the very few uh who do and like really excited for them to for us to clear out some of this infrastructure work we were talking about to just let them cook honestly and it's gonna be awesome <clears throat> that's what i say if you're a designer out there looking to leave your mark because you think about it you have to create experiences like hey number one this is a multi-sig number two this is a wrap segwit address or a native segwit or taproot mm -hmm, address mm -hmm. number three like here's the amount of keys in your quorum here's the number of keys you need to actually broadcast transaction like there's so many user experience user experiences to build to articulate all this because yeah and you can't paper over like you can you can paper there's many many debates about what do you selectively expose of those things in a design but regardless of that, you can't paper over getting and understanding those details to come up with something, right? You might say, hey, I dove in, I understand all this, only three of the 10 things actually need to be there, and here's why. But that requires just like a lot of work to get to. Yeah. Um, which which is also, you know, makes it a little bit of a different discipline than some other places where you can be like, here's my component library, you know, slap it together, like everything else I don't even need to care about. I don't need to understand the technicals. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you, uh, fuck up something just using a react js <laughs> library it's like oh you can't send money anymore right right 
people's life savings. Yeah. That really just trickles through, you know, all every aspect of everything for not just us, but everyone building on Bitcoin, you know, it's just sort of, there's a reason things go are like, okay, we're doing like the alpha, the alpha two, the beta testnet only <laughs> like the things happen and, you know, and it takes that sort of progression because you want to be confident yourself as the builder that it's rock solid when it goes out there. Yeah. What do you think about all these ETFs going to Coinbase as their single custodian? Most of them, I think five out of 12, uh, fidelity is going to do self custody, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then the other six have not announced their custody partners. Well, I mean, I think the reality is, is like, uh, if you're looking at it, if you're in their shoes and you have your sort of spreadsheet up with the rows and the columns and you're filling in the little X's in, in, in there to say like, Hey, I need like all these boxes to be checked. Like Coinbase checks all those boxes. Right. And so, you know what, like I of course think that the, the sort of, uh, multi-sig, you know, collaborative custody model is better long-term. Um, you know, Coinbase hasn't had like major custody failures and like they ha are very close in the industry with regulators and like they have all the approvals, they have all the audits. And so if you're someone who is sort of at the direction of the office of the CFO at your company, it's like, hey, want to put a little bit of Bitcoin, 1% hedge for all these reasons. Like, can you just like go do a, a sort of vet vendor analysis basically, right? Of like what we should go with, like Coinbase is gonna bubble up to the top. And that's good for them for sort of like having a product strategy that gets them into that position. Um, and so it'll take time to kind of, especially with the switching costs, you know, like it has to be 10X more valuable to switch over to something else. And like, there is gonna be 10X more valuable things out there. But if you look at it from the, in the put yourself in the shoes of the people making those decisions, like I, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. And now going to Coinbase too, I guess that's an interesting question we dive into. Like what is gonna convince them? As you mentioned, they successfully secured individuals, corporations, funds, Bitcoin for many years now. Uh, obviously many people focused on Bitcoin only are not the biggest fans of Coinbase, mm -hmm. but you can't knock them. They've done it successfully. Right. They bought Zappo incorporated their deep cold storage into their operational stack. Like what is, what do you think it's going to take to convince them to begin participating in multi-institution custody models? Or do you think they'll just be like, nah, we're good. I think it's going to, I think it's going to, it's going to be a whale migration, right? Like when, when sort of the, uh, their big fish starts swimming over to another pond, uh, you know, I think w how I see this playing out is, you know, an olive branch will be extended. Like, Hey, you know, I think this thing over here with how, how much we're securing now and our, you know, internal controls and procedures, like this is a much better fit for our model. We would love you to still participate, but just one of the keys, you're no longer a single point of failure. And now boom, they're into the party. So like, I don't know if I think, I think it'll be a demand driven thing that gets big players like Coinbase kind of into the, into the party more so than perhaps them coming up with it on their own. I would love to be wrong about that, but I think that it, business is good for them right now. So why, why sort of, it's classic innovators dilemma stuff, yeah. right? Why disrupt yourself if like there's no signs that there's something more disruptive on the horizon until, but like the beauty of the network of keys is that the cl clients can bring them with them in, into the, the large network at yeah. some point. <clears throat> Yeah, and you also have to imagine like the the gravity, especially if Bitcoin appreciates in price. We'll be talking about like trillion dollar wallets at some point. Yeah. And like thinking you know, it's chief security officer at Coinbase, like trying to sleep at night knowing that 
your product is a single point of failure for all that money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It has to weigh on people. Maybe it doesn't, but yeah, I mean, and and I think the 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 likely scenario is that the person on the other side of that is thinking, oh, like there's a point of failure for this. Like, let me go see what else is out there. And then even if the Coinbase guy is thinking about that, um, you know, if he decides to go be an internal champion for, you know, moving to something else, then like those things take time. And so it's really going to have to come from, I think just users and clients and customers and sort of just demanding like something better. Yeah. And then on your end, are you guys creating sort of onboarding processes that'll make it as seamless as possible for the Coinbase of the world or others to enter the, the network of keys when they decide to do so? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's largely, you know, there's obviously a lot of sort of things that have to happen. So if you think about like listing your house on Airbnb, your apartment, you want to rent it out, you got to put the photos, fill out this and that. And, and so like eventually, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, we're sort of, people will be able to kind of just join, join the network themselves uh, at, at any of the tiers. Cause there's like really different market segments. Um, but already for like an enterprise, like a Coinbase, it's pretty easy. I mean, if you can export XPubs out of your cold storage setup and sign PSBTs. Like it's pretty easy to integrate with our platform. The larger challenge is getting to that agreement that like, we're going to do this together still for now. Yeah. <clears throat> and one would have to think like once you guys continue to add more people to the list of key agents within the network, like the legal side of things will become more streamlined. It'll be like, Hey, we've done this X amount of times. Here's exactly what you need to do. Exactly. And like, like right now where the focus on kind of the enterprise market is, you know, we're doing all of that very intentionally working really closely, collaborating with these teams, all rock solid, awesome teams. I've been impressed with everyone we've worked with. Um, but yeah, you're sharing, you know, here's our audits, like, and you're going through, here's our, here's our security review process. Here's your security review process. And you go through all of that. And so like, that is the bulk of the, the quote unquote, like onboarding work. Once it gets into the like redlined, you know, we agree to a deal, then the fun part of like, all right, let's get the key on, let's test it out, let's try caravan recovery, like that stuff's, you know, the fun part. Um, over time though, like not everyone will need those type, that like that level of key agent. Um, you know, you could have, like as mentioned earlier, like your estate planner or your lawyer, it's like, hey, you wanna hold a key? And of course we're not gonna then, like the same level of, um, sort of like requirements for that person to participate uh, with their family and friends or their clients, that'll be different. As well as like me just onboarding my mom uh, and my, my sisters and my brother where I hold a key, like that is its own separate thing. And so the benefit of focusing on kind of that enterprise stuff first is you really work out a lot of the kinks uh, while like, and sort of like solve all of that in like a premium luxury way that they can just be opened up to everyone in the future. Uh, it's just like a highly like leverageable thing. Yeah. So you guys have coin cover is mm-hmm. one of the first key agents. How important do you think multi-jurisdictional, multi-institution custody will be in the future? I think it's going to be pretty important. And, you know, there's there's definitely, we have, there's been some interest in like participating in the network from, from other jurisdictions, um, even more so than the U.S. I think it's like, if you think about it, it's, it's a highly global, just like concept in general, the network of keys. I think it'll be important. I think some of the hurdles right now are the folks who are really interested in this model from like an institution standpoint. Um, 
you know, they have that spreadsheet. They're saying, Hey, I, you need SOC two audits. Uh, you need, needs to be a qualified custodian. And they're like, you have to check certain sort of like legal wrapper check boxes that sometimes you can only obtain in certain cases in the U S. And so that's like a really interesting thing we've learned over the past year. It's like, okay. Uh, but like, as you start opening that up, you know, you can even envision sort of like a map or something. You can see where the different keys are located and kind of like go through your own shopping and selection process in a way that that meets your needs. And they might have different uh, maybe it's just it's not just that the key secured in a different location, but maybe they're, you know, they turn around signatures faster because they're awake when you're asleep and you want to get a transaction through. And so it's going to be interesting. We still need to learn more how that's going to evolve. But I do see it being like highly global by the end of it. Yeah. That's the thing, too. It's I mean, what you're talking about, I mean, having had Dhruv mm-hmm. on the show many times and obviously reading all the incredible content he puts out, like what you're working on is pretty sci-fi. And oh, yeah. the looming specter of regulatory overreach is just so, it bums me out because it's like we have the ability right now to go build these extremely unique and uh, beneficial financial services, particularly around custody for everybody on the planet. But you could see a future which seems to be materializing where the regulatory environment could slow it down precipitously. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's also like, there's way, like there's other things we're looking at too that aren't, aren't just kind of in the shell of sort of like the regulated unchained experience, but more like open source tooling that like you that could also take advantage of the network of keys too. Right. So it's like, Hey, like, Maybe I don't need the white glove support. I don't need any of the financial services. I just want like Unchained to hold a key. I actually don't even want them to know who I am or, or sort of how, what my holdings are, uh, unless I need them in the future. And that's how that's like that's where then okay now we got to go through that process and like you know make sure no one's getting in trouble. Um, but there's like ver- there's everything we're doing is going to create that sort of nice bifurcation where like you can sort of meet this other inter- audience who maybe is like that cypherpunk or they've been around for a while. They have those old setups we talked about earlier and they're like, I do want to move to something more secure. I don't want to go through this heavy handed process and expose some of those types of tools too. Um, Cause that's really what the value is, is in, in a lot of cases, the, the key, the distributed keys are almost like an insurance policy. You know, it's like break glass in case of emergency, if you need it, if you're holding the majority of the keys. Yeah. Right. And so like, what are products and things you can build there that are almost like their own little entities? Were you alluding to Michael Flaxman's idea of like a multi-six blinded setup? Ex-pubs? Blinded expos. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We're so familiar with the proposal. Let's explain it to people maybe unaware what the proposal is. Yeah. And again, then- talk about sci-fi stuff. This yeah. Is. And like, I mean, you know, I wish Flaxman was outside right now because he would do a much better job than I. And, and we've used like a warded term, but but basically you can you can essentially like um, provide like a mask essentially on the key um, that you get. Say you like you go as like a Pez dispenser, like give me an XPUB from Unchained. You basically mask it uh, and you include that in your multi-sig quorum. And so Unchained actually doesn't know like how it was like fully derived by the time it got into their multi-sig wallet. And so it's still there and it just uses sort of discrete one way math to be, it's like, it's, it's deterministic. Uh, And so you can always like, if you go to unchain, you say, Hey, this is the key I use basically. And it was used this way. uh, And thus you can like get signatures for it. And so um, it's a really interesting concept and it's like, it's, it's a, it's privacy preserving, uh, you know, up until a point in time where you're like, well, 
I'm happy to break the veil because, you know, I lost one of my keys and like, I'm going to lose all my funds. Yeah. <laughs> so in this example, you have like a two or three setup where you hold two keys, you engage, uh, you get Unchained's XPUB to create a two or three quorum. You are the only one with access to the public addresses associated with that master public key and that multi-sig public key. You can put Bitcoin in those addresses and you know you can spend from that up until the time, which hopefully doesn't happen, but if you lose a key and you only have one in the two or three quorum, you go to Unchain and say, hey, uh, here's the derivation path. You have a key that can sign here. Yeah, and like here's the wallet configure. Like here's the wallet config. Here's how I wrapped your key and included it in here so you can peel it apart and, and give me the necessary signature. Yeah, and then if the person was using Bitcoin privately and just doing things by the law, but they like their privacy, they go to Unchain and say, all right, and you can audit the history of this, make sure it's all kosher, and then sign. Exactly, yep. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's sci-fi. It is, it is sci-fi. Um, yeah, I mean, if, when, when you get Druval next, again, I'm going on the AI stuff and how, you know, a lot of the, the, the collaboration tooling, you know, will account for those sorts of things too, right? You know, it's like if you're, so if a deep fake video is you calling uh -huh. in, hey, this is me, I'm going to, I'm authorizing this transaction. Like, how do you protect against that, right? I mean, there's all these interesting, like, meat spacey things that, that you need to um, be able to, like, have plans for. It hasn't happened yet, but, you know, we take that stuff like incredibly seriously. Uh, and, you know, we're already thinking about what are ways you could do that? Uh, like how could someone attack the adversarial thinking? How could you attack it? How could you verify that it actually is them in this video? That is uh, the first question I ever asked Drew because he unchained. I think him and Parker did a vault demo in New York. It's 2017 or 2018. And I was the dickhead in the crowd. I was like, any questions? <laughs> I was like, what are you going to do when deep fakes come? <laughs> Are you going to sign? Um, how do you think? Because that's, back then, it really wasn't a problem that many people had to worry about. But now it's becoming abundantly clear that this stuff is getting legit. It's getting legit. And there's a lot of, um, in a lot of these things, there's a lot of centralization too. I don't just mean centralization in terms of like, oh, it's all in, you know, AWS, US East 1, which which is true, uh, or West 1. But I just mean more like, oh, the, the places that... Um, you know, provide what's called like a liveliness check, like do the thing with your license and all this. And like, there's, there's only so many places that even provide that offering. Right. And so like, if you can figure out if that's what everyone's using on the back end, you can figure out how to get through that. Like how, like how deep did your tentacles just go? Now you can get in the door to potentially like major banking institutions and a lot of other places that all kind of rely on the same tooling because it's just like, you know, those companies made it easy to do, you know, it's just say, like, Hey, just do this. You're, you know, like how seriously you're taking this versus just checking a box. Um, and then you sort of like build up these like honeypots essentially. Yeah. How do you think you solve this problem? Deep fake problem particularly? I mean, I don't know. That's the better question for the engineers. I, but I do think there's probably, there's definitely ways you can, you can um, like agree upon certain terms or words to be said in the script you read, right? And you like insert that into the script. So instead of an AI, just reading the script off the computer and then, you know, deep faking it verbatim, you know, there's like safe words or things like that you can put in. There's ways you can do like, like fingerprinting and signature checking, like on the actual like 
video uh, package payload itself uh, and basically be like, hey, we think this was manipulated. Uh, so like how you actually do that is a little bit beyond my 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 scope of expertise, but it is it, like it will be possible, I think. Um, and but some of it's going to rely on those like some of it will be like so, so, just offense, defense, software type stuff. And then some of it will be these kind of like when we onboarded you in person, you know, we talked about this thing that like only you will know. Uh, and so, you know, they'll be like, we're going to look for that. Yeah. <clears throat> so there's a couple different ways, but and probably ultimately some combination of all of them. Yeah. And then you think of who's going to be susceptible to that. If it's a two, it's reset up where the user holds their own two keys. The attacker would have to have access to at least one of the keys, the pin. Mm-hmm. be able to sign yeah and we have pins in both directions and we have like approval workflows for multiple if it's multiple parties you know separate from the keys this is that like collaboration layer on top like did did you know my two business partners approve this um and then you know okay now like unchanged talking with coin cover like what do we think about this came from a weird ip or something you know like and so there's going to be like that all of these things happen now but it happens I guess like manually is probably the best way to say it. You know, there's no like great sort of like way to collaborate on Bitcoin transactions themselves to verify that these checks and balances are where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot of effort to like do that on our end. Like we don't, you know, we go through a process before we sign with Arky. <laughs> yeah. I've also heard the idea of like giving somebody a tap signer as well. Mm-hmm. They hold with them physically. It's like, all right, you have to sign this or do a key check with this before we release, we sign, we sign a transaction, but then it's like, if they lose the tap signer, yeah, it's like, or signing devices, a two FA device is interesting. Um, who knows if we get back, who knows if we get back to just like bank branches where it's like, all right, if you want to move your money, come in and (laughs) show us your face. I mean, a lot of, uh, a lot of the, the, you know, some of the biggest Bitcoin holders in the world, like that probably would prefer that, honestly. I mean, I think that's what's some of the most interesting stuff about the whole thing. (laughs) It's like they get it and they also, like that too. And so how do you blend those two worlds? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I try to move more than five Bitcoin, you can only do so if I meet you in person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, you're gonna have to pay a premium for us to fly out, you know, you know, Tyler to go to your, go, go meet you at your office to do that. But like, we'll do it. Yeah. It'll be worth it too. hundred percent. Part of the transaction fee. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, paying for the, uh, the flight to go verify that you're coming to leather briefcase and a little top hat. And you're like, all right, we're here. Just (laughs) open it up. We got all the stuff. That'd be dope. Sci-fi. Yeah. With some, uh, 19, yeah. Like (laughs) fifties, mad men, (laughs) sci-fi. Uh, what are you looking for on the horizon in terms of just Bitcoin more broadly? Well, I think I'm, I'm still sort of, I keep my eye on lightning, of course, you know, I think like the whole payments, uh, the whole payments layer. And, and, you know, I know there's like other emerging protocols there. Um, I think that, you know, I, I personally like experiment a lot with that stuff. Um, you know, we don't have any like business offering there yet at Unchained. Uh, I think like there's a lot of interesting proposals out there for just like protocol level improvements, just around like covenants and all of that. And, you know, the op vault, uh, from James OB. And, and, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting, like, I, I really focus on kind of like the governance process and like, how are these people communicating and like, how does it seem like decisions are being arrived at? I find that like very interesting. Um, you know, more so than saying, Hey, I'm going to bet on any one particular like feature or improvement horse. Uh, I think all the mini script stuff is really interesting. Uh, I think, you know, stratum V2 and like decentralizing mining is like, that's actually probably the thing I'm most excited about. Um, 
because I think that's like an interesting attack vector that probably doesn't get like enough attention in like sort of the non Bitcoin like broader ecosystem. If I'm if I'm like an advisor trying to make an investment decision, like how do you even explain? Hey, well, actually, there's like this risk over here with this mining thing. Um, I know you do a lot of work there, and, and I think that's really interesting too. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of good developments on that front. Yeah, thank God. It is a probably one of the biggest risks to Bitcoin right now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have two pool with censoring transactions. And they backpedaled, so we're not going to do it anymore. But there's a mining pool level is probably the most vulnerable. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's like just going to be a huge opportunity, like the whole next wave of just how mining evolves. I think it's just going to be very interesting. Yeah. And just like with utility providers and like how do they get into the game and like it's you just go just closer and closer to just the, the, the source uh, and like what products and services get built on top of that and how do they integrate with everything else and like is there anything that needs to happen like from a protocol standpoint to, to sort of like unlock that that growth? The energy sector is coming. And I think from a lobbying perspective, this is the most important thing that could happen for Bitcoin. Go build your own Bitcoin lobbies. Go lobby on behalf of Bitcoin. Uh, But I'm going to focus on getting the energy lobby to fight for Bitcoin. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Play smart. Yeah. I think the fee, here's another one, the fee sponsor stuff, um, or just with the sort of mempools kind of increasingly getting clogged and like, it's really expensive to move stuff on chain. That is what spurs my interest in like lightning and those other protocols. But I think there's probably some like, like L1 type stuff that could happen there too, to facilitate sort of um, just like making that easier for people without like totally clogging the network. Yeah. Are you an ordinals enjoyer? Dude, I like honestly barely understand what the ordinals are. Since <laughs> I, as, in a weird way, like since I joined Unchain, I've just been so focused on, you know, trying to like build a business on top of Bitcoin that it, like my pace of sort of understanding and like keeping up with kind of all the latest irons in the fire from like a protocol level has definitely taken a bit of a hit. Um, fortunately, you know, I get, I get direct access to our boy, Buck Pearlie, who, who has to himself prepare for a bit does every month. And then I usually get the readout from him. That keeps me, keeps me fresh. But, Buck, uh, Buck runs a type ship. He does. He at, does. Uh, at Austin bit devs. That's right. With Ben and Justin. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Yeah, but the ordinals, I don't know. I just see i see stuff and I just kind of just don't pay that close attention. Uh, I know that it's like, you know, cause, causing higher fees, causing the mempool to be clogged. That's about, that's, that's like where my level of understanding is at. And you're just writing data. You're just writing arbitrary data into the chain. I, I know enough to just talk at that level, but I don't understand the value prop or what the pitch or the positioning is or anything like that. I think that's where I am too. I don't know. I've never, even before ordinals and jpegs on bitcoin the jpegs never made sense to me anyway it's nice like i think like i think something i mess around with a lot um like years ago was open timestamps and i thought like i thought the concept of pgp you know encrypting and signing like a blog post or a piece of content and then open timestamping that was like some of the best digital proof of authenticity like you could get at least based on what I understood. It just proved yeah. there was election fraud in Guatemalan presidential election last month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Open timestamps. It's use. fascinating because you could always so- like with PGP you could solve the, you know, is the content what I said it was going to be and like did this public key whoever that identity was do it? But then like the when piece is what like the open timestamps brought into the equation. Yeah. I thought that I still think that's pretty interesting. I don't know what the 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 footprint on chain of that looks like. I know they like roll them up. Um, but yeah, that I think, was, I thought that shit was cool. Yeah. I think it's very minimal. 
And it makes sense. Cause you it makes can't tons of sense. take the open timestamp hash and then like trade it for. Yeah. It's a notary. It's a notary service, basically yeah. a public notary service. I think those, those, those use cases could be potentially pretty interesting. Yeah. The whole like rare sets thing doesn't make sense to me. No, I, I mean, and look, I'm someone who has like a, like a baseball card. Like I have like, I, I'm a collector of thing, rare things in the real world. Um, but I just, yeah, I don't see how it translates. Yeah. I know. But alas, yeah. we're getting, uh, getting distracted by ordinals. Here. <laughs> One thing we need to cover before we end this, who knows when we'll end it, but came top of mind because we've talked about this before while we were golfing this summer, MPC mm. versus multi, mm. multi-sig. Why is MPC trash? Well, you know, I, um, I think what I would say here is I think it really just comes down to just like proprietary versus like, uh, you know, interoperability with like a public protocol. Right. And so like, um, there's a lot of interesting things about MPC, you know, we're actually working on a good, a good post coming up here soon that kind of goes, it goes into like this deep, deeply in a technical way. Um, but I think like, there are some, well, one, you know, you kind of get into kind of like, it's a key and then it's sharded. And so it's like, okay, so it's not really like multiple keys. Like you can basically, um, you know, end around it that way. It creates more single points of failure, but it really just comes down to like, if the software that created the proprietary MPC thing, like if that goes away, then like, how are you going to recover? You know, ultimately all just comes, everything just comes back to sovereign recovery, um, for us and, and for me personally. And so, you know, in, in a, in a world where you're just using raw bare metal multi-sig like there's always going to be stuff out there you can go to github download the shit and save it on your computer for years from now if you wanted to you know if they release 20 versions between now and them and like facilitate a recovery if something goes wrong with like any of the platform providers you're using for multi-sig and like the same just simply can't be said for for mpc and i think that it's like it's like feeder basically i mean it's it, it sort of it, it is, it checks the boxes in terms of, you know, I'm trying to distribute the risk and like there's multiple backups, but at the end of the day, if you just play the five wise game and you keep going all the way down to the bottom of the rabbit hole, it just doesn't really like hold muster in my opinion. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the way MPC has been implemented to date, essentially a workaround to create like a multi-sig like custody solution for shit coins. Exactly. Which if we believe Bitcoin's going to be winner take all, like it's just completely spread your focus then. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge reason. Like, like, you know, Unchained obviously supported Ethereum back in the day. Um, I think ju just as large, just as much of a reason for dropping support for that, uh, of course, is like philosophically, you know, like Bitcoin, the winner take all market, we're betting on Bitcoin, but it was like, it's just a huge, like, like, how do you even do at that time doing multi-sig on Ethereum in a way where you can make the UX and make the same security assurances to, to users in the way you could with Bitcoin was just like a total, a total drag. Like you're just create constantly creating technical debt. You're maintaining all these proprietary things. Um, you know, it's a drag. It's opportunity cost is really high because you could pursue, be pursuing other things with a, with like a more dedicated focus. Um, and like, to your point, that's like totally, you know, it's like trying to have your cake and eat it too a little bit. It's like, I, I feel for like the developers and stuff at uh, exchanges and, and these other NPC custody providers, like having to build basically super complicated middleware that integrates with a thousand different protocols. And you're constantly have to keep that middleware up to date and this and that it's like, I mean, that, 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 that keeps, that's just so scary to me. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. On that point, like, do you think there could be like a 
we've talked a lot about exchange hacks, FTX, Celsius, BlockFi. Do you, I mean, I don't want to besmirch what may be deemed as competition, but do you envision a future in which something like Fireblocks could have a critical vulnerability that could bork? I don't know enough about how their stuff is built. Um, and they do have some pretty good industry standard sort of um, like that, like collaboration layer that I'm talking about. Like they have some good stuff there. Uh, and so, you know, there could potentially be, I, I, I don't know enough about like, oh, what a hack or something, expose all customer funds or, or something like that. Um, Cause I don't understand the inner workings of their platform, but uh, it's certainly, it's still like, even with those sort of collaboration layers where it's like, I need two or three people to verify and stuff, right? Like it still potentially poses that risk on the back end because it's not just the, it's not just like the who is holding the Bitcoin and how do they collaborate? It's the how as well, right? And so like collaborative custody solves both the who and the how problems. And like some of these places kind of blend them together into one blob a little bit. Um, that just makes me a little bit uneasy. But like, I certainly can't comment on uh, you know, how exposed they are. Uh, I'm sure that they think about this all the time and what yeah. they're doing. <laughs> yeah. That would be, again, not trying, I'm just walking yeah, yeah. through hypotheticals here, but that would be course. like, talk about like Mel Gox level, but it mainly be for like crypto, not Bitcoin, but right. Um, right. Like how much Bitcoin do you think is secured by MPC? Um, probably more than you would think, but not, I would say not, well, that's interesting. Cause it kind of depends on how many of the big custodians and exchange exchanges in particular, like, you know, are they using service providers on the back end? Like how much have they rolled their own custody? Um, but I would say like in turbulent market times when volatility is high and there's a lot of Bitcoin moving on and off exchanges, probably like a good amount of Bitcoin is secured in MPC. Yeah. Um, and it's mixing with all those other things. I mean, that's just kind of like, that's just like the the problem. It's just kind of an age old, like, do you want to be vertically integrated or try and go as horizontal as possible? You know, and like vertical integration takes longer to build and is more complicated and hard, but will win out in the end. Um, and I just find it's, it's, it's something that I think will, means that like even adoption of multi-sig and, and collaborative cussing and these things, if you think about it, like, I bet you there's people at the big exchanges and other companies like we totally would do that with our Bitcoin. But then like, what do we do with these other 999 things? Right. So it's just an easy decision to be like, oh, we're just going to put our Bitcoin in this other one, too. Yeah. And so like until that until that gets teased apart, uh, you know, that'll take some time. <clears throat> do you think the shitcoin cycles are going to be as big as they have been in the past moving forward? Oh, you know, every every time I think no, um, but probably I mean because people just want to get rich quick and you know churning out like the cost to create content marketing and those sorts of things now it's getting even lower now with with all the sort of like large language model tooling out there and stuff um and it's just like people want to hear a good story and they, they want to buy into like a good story and it's like i'm gonna be right no one else has figured this out uh, yeah, I think, I think at least one more, maybe after that, I think it'll start to, uh, fall apart at the seams and in a large part, not just because of 
you know, people will come to their senses, but like some of the stuff we're talking about, like it will just become an encumbrance to continue to support more and more of these things over time. Like, like eventually that just won't be possible. And the, the, a line will have to be drawn in the sand, like somewhere. And then once that line in the sand is drawn, that's when, you, that's when the, you know, okay, then more drop off. And then all of a sudden the line's working its way all the way back towards there's just, it's just Bitcoin at the start of where you get onto the beach. <laughs> yeah. And then a Bitcoin, let's see. Uh, Bitcoin runs too particularly if like institutional money comes and they decide not to mess with any of that. It's like, all right, like what's going on here? Right. It runs away and all that other stuff is not running as fast as Bitcoin, but historically they outperform Bitcoin in the bull markets. Yeah. At least for like periods of time and like savvy people can make good money off that. And if they're doing that and making more sad, it's good for them. Um, who knows what the like regulatory crackdown is going to be either. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like who, who it could, there's like, uh, there will be a convergence of like, un, are these unregistered securities? This is a technically a pain in the ass to support. Like, but like the casino business model is an unbelievable business model. And like people, they'll keep it going as long as they can. And you know, it's not my personal decisions, but it is what it is. I like going to the casino in Vegas and playing blackjack, <laughs> even though I know it's a losing proposition. Yeah. And again, maybe I'm just a boomer, but it's like, imagine if all that energy was focused on building I things totally like you agree. guys are building. And yeah. We're on a race against time here, people. Uh, there are a lot of designers in that stuff. That's the interesting yes. thing, you know, and, 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 you know, they don't, uh, I've seen some pretty, in- we've seen some pretty interesting portfolios come our way. I'm like, all right, like, this is pretty interesting. Uh, it's sort of, you know, you, you get to work more like a traditional software, like product designer in that world, because it's like, we don't like the security wins for no, we don't care that much about that. Like, this is not a thing. Uh, just gonna make it look good. Just like, yes, yeah, make it look sweet with animations and all sorts of cool stuff. And so like, I, I'm excited for the, the, the sort of, uh, brain drain in that world to, to start coming over. Like, even if those things limp along, you know, private equity buys it and they, they turn it into a skeleton and, and farm it for five, 10 years, like talent will move first over time. And that's what we can hope for because, you know, the waters are warm, you know, come, come hang out with us. Yeah. I've seen the interesting trend over the last six months of particularly here in Austin, a lot of former Solana developers getting interested in lightning and building on that, which has been encouraging. Yeah. Well, it's like TPS or whatever. Right. I mean, it's like, if that's the thing you're optimizing for and you didn't realize that like that was happening over here and like, that's what the itch you're trying to scratch, then like, yeah, let it rip. It is funny though. How many people out there, still do not understand what's going on in Bitcoin, what's going on in Lightning. People don't even know Lightning exists. Oh, no, dude. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't even, I, it takes me, I think I've gotten into Lightning with like a handful of friends. Like that's like, you know, that's less than like 15 or something <laughs> on the list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, how has Bitcoin, having been in it for a bit, has it lived up to your expectations, surpassed them, fallen short? Bitcoin itself? Yeah. No, I think it's lived up to them. Yeah. Yeah. It's just resilient, you know, and it's uh, anyone can do anything on top of it or with it or, or, or to it if you can build up enough consensus. And I think that's like just a really powerful, that's just like a really powerful tool. And if you just look at the history of like other things um, that have happened over time with sort of like some of the like, you know, in public private key encryption you talked about, um, like Tor, like Tor is interesting, BitTorrent, like all these other, it has the characteristics of these other things that they've been trying to cut the head off 
for years uh, of these hydras and then just another one or two grow back. And so like, I think it has, it has some serious staying power, but I think, um, you know, we need to have some successful businesses built on top of it to like really help grow that wave of adoption. Uh, and that, that I'm not like anti sort of, it's for the people and like every, you know, you can, oh, it's permissionless. You can use it yourself. Cause I, you know, I believe all that stuff too. Um, but there needs to be a flywheel effect created here. <clears throat> it's funny. Cause I was just about to ask you, are you here for the tech or are you here for the money, sir? So I came into it from the tech cause I was an engineer. Um, and when I used to work, I used to work at a bank, um, capital one, and uh, I was working on helping, basically, we couldn't like show just like timely updates about your transactions because like ACH and like the way that works is like a total clusterfuck. Um, and so we were like loading in, you know, we were like, we were basically porting stuff into AWS and like figuring out how to make this more real time. And it was like a very interesting architecture. And so I was like, okay. And at this time I had already been like hearing about Bitcoin for a little while. Um, but then like all of these shitcoin peddlers would come through and be like selling us on this and that. And we were like taking these meetings. Uh, and I was like hmm. much younger and junior in my career at that time. And I was I don't, what are these guys talking about? Like, what am I missing here? Uh, and the, so I just like read mastering Bitcoin cover to cover. And so came into it from that angle. I was like, this is interesting. And then over time, I'm now in it for like the money and the sort of like, you know, if you fix the base layer, like money is a obviously foundational, like layer, like with communicate, it's a communication tool that helped us like evolve as a species. And that's fucked up and it causes all these higher layer problems. So now I'm here for that, but I definitely came into it through the tech and I still find the tech very interesting, but I mostly find it interesting in ways that it can help solve, like, you know, grow adoption and awareness and solve that, like the money problem. Yeah. <laughs> and so Bitcoin being audited, I guess, every 10 minutes solved that ACH transaction problem you were trying to solve a capital one yeah basically i mean it's all public you can get it it's auditable uh final settlement and you know every 10 minutes um you know and and like i don't actually like i actually have developed a lot of respect for the fiat system since like as we've been having to build and integrate on it like there's a reason that it's still widely used because like uh it may be built in some areas on like houses of cards, but like it works and generally is reliable. Um, but it's just so, so clear from just like a design, like a systems design and like engineering standpoint that Bitcoin is superior uh, and needs to be built in layers, just like the fiat system was. And like, we just have to, and like you can be working on multiple layers at once, but they need to work together. And like, so there's like a, just like a lot of brain power going towards solving those problems and stitching that all together. That that's really exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm in it for the money too. Yeah, I know you are. Money. Yeah, right. Fix the money, fix the world. The rebrand of TFTC. Truth, Truth for, for the, the commoner. commoner. Logan, what do you think of the rebrand? He's throwing his hands up. <laughs> I think that's, you know, that's like, it's been awesome. Uh, you know, I share your stuff with a lot of people and I think like, as you get into Bitcoin, you start to, it starts to, you start to peel back these layers of like self-sovereignty and like other areas of your life where you can like take on more personal responsibility and stuff. And I think that's been really like enlightening for a lot of people. It's interesting. It kind of opens your, your eyes to a lot of different things. Yeah. I know you're a big fan of sovereign beef. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I bailed hay for the ranch next door, uh, during the summer, got a nice discount on my half, half a cow. Proof of work. That's right. Shake your rancher's hand. Hey for beef. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are these guys over here doing? Hey for beef to give you more beef in the future. It's a beautiful exactly. thing. It's a closed loop. It is. Circular economy. 
maybe we can figure this out. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> well, speaking of that, like sovereignty and stuff, we're both from Philadelphia. Do you think yeah. we can never save Philadelphia? Does Philadelphia need to be saved? Shouldn't run with assumptions. Oh, well, um, it's an interesting question. I think, uh, like, like a lot of large cities, you know, it has a lot of problems. Um, and those problems have compounded on themselves for years and years. Like, I think, I don't know if it needs to be saved because I think the character of the people there is pretty unique and like they will always band together, you know, and it's like has a much more tight knit community feel for that millions of people than like a lot of other places. So yeah, I think there's other places higher on the list that need to be saved, but, but you know, we'll go back and sort it out at some point. Philly feels is a big city. It feels like a small town. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of Philly Bitcoiners. Yeah, that's what I like. From like a 10 mile radius. I would love to. Party rip. Party rip. But also like just build up like an industry in Philly. Like a Bitcoin focused industry. A city wage tax fucks things. It does. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good. um, And like my sister's involved in some of this. Like there's a lot of local small like food type stuff community like food and food kitchens and like there, there's a really thriving there's a lot of really thriving like small businesses like that and like that could be like an interesting way in we're sort of like partner with these people who are like trying to solve these like they've been creative in solving these annoying like regulatory problems like oh like you can do 10 batches in your oven but then as soon as you want to do anything between that and being like in Whole Foods, you know, you need like a fucking commercial kitchen space and stuff. It's like, well, okay. And I like, so they created these spaces and people rent them out at different times. And like, it's a, you know, there's like clever ways to get around some of that stuff. Uh, so like, those are people who I feel like would get Bitcoin rather quickly compared to someone who just hasn't had to run into some of those issues. Yeah. And you think place where the declaration of independence was signed constitution, it's in our soul. You know, is. Bitcoin is tightly aligned with the ideals that the country and the city of Philadelphia were founded on, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. There's a few places like it and you go and just a little, all the cobblestone, uh, you know, alleys and stuff that used to be like for the horses and carriages. And yeah, obviously you got the large Amish community out in Lancaster. Um, yeah, there's definitely a, uh, there's something there for yeah. sure. That's why I went, went to that first Philly Bitcoin John with you. <laughs> That was right fun. when we predicted FTX would be fine for a little while and it collapsed uh, three days later. We were on stage. Somebody quoted like, oh, is FTX going to go down? We we're like, yeah, I was like, they'll be fine. Yeah, they'll probably have a few months <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah. That was November of last year. Yeah. October. Yeah. It was October 6th of last year. That's right. Um, that's yeah. It starts that way too. talking about like building a Bitcoin community and then an industry within a city you need something like the bitcoin john for sure yeah Shout out to matt and just people and like uh just like community and teams and, and and that stuff in general i mean um i think that's what's like uh you know there's a lot a lot of the focus is on, on bitcoin is like yourself and self-sovereignty and that is true and like all of those tools and things are useful and continuing to get better but like to get to kind of have step to make like step level changes you need teams of people need to work together on stuff. And like that actually has, there's something to say for that too. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, in local communities, you can be the, the doomer prepper all you want, but you're only as strong as your weakest link within your community. Like, mm-hmm. The goal should be obviously build up 
your own sovereignty and your own robustness and your the robustness of your family to a certain degree, but then then you spread it, yeah, yeah, make yeah. damn sure your community teach, strong too. Teach Timmy how to use his ham radio so he's not the weak link anymore. You know, yeah, spin up a mesh network. That's right. Help your neighbor gather some hay. You know? Yeah, if you're not sending, you know transactions via go tennis through samurai i don't know what you're doing no. <laughs> it should be that's how you pay your local rancher that's what parker i know you're listening <laughs> we've been talking about this austin mesh network for like a year now we need to get I, I run i run mesh nodes yeah how how hard is it or simply you just buy a fucking go tenant and you just put it on a little stand and have it plugged in it's a little relay it's like local relays is there enough other relays in colorado i mean up where i live it's actually decent yeah i mean it's like big for hunting uh, because, you know, people go out and you're covering tons of ground um, and, you know, you don't have service out there. So you use like satellite radio, but like the local mesh and being able to communicate via that is actually uh, is actually not everyone is like picked up on that. But I see I see them out there, especially during hunting season, like on the little map. I'm like, OK, well, it's got to be hunters. Really? Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes up and down. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah. We need to get the Austin Mesh Network. There probably is one. You just need to plug into it. Yeah, if you, I bet you, yeah, it's like, uh, there probably are. In the cities, there's always some because there's just naturally going to be like a higher density. Uh, but you need more because of the interference. Yeah. So it's like you need you need more points to, to bounce off of. Yeah, you're when you're in the open ter terrain, you don't need quite as many. Uh, and you're going to have a higher concentration of nerds in the city. So. Of course. Don't underestimate like the back backwoods nerds, though. They're there. Oh, no, never underestimate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just fewer of them by definition. <laughs> the, den the density is much less. Uh, much more handy than the city nerds. That's true. Yeah. Do you like living in the country? Yeah, it's great. I, I live, like, right on the edge of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, uh, about an hour west of Denver, five minutes from, like, a target, uh, but also five minutes then from just open, you know, ranch, national forest, just right out the back door. So it's like a good little mix. Yeah. yeah. And it's like some of the stuff that's like in between, um, in between where I live in steamboat Springs, there's just some really cool land and there's like tons of, a lot of people like wealthy people have like big ranches and stuff like Paul Tudor Jones is giant ranch is like 10 minutes down the road. Have you ever knocked up on his door? I've been like, no, uh, but he has a little easement, a fishing easement on the blue river that you can go in and fish on, um, that I have not tried yet. Cause I just learned about it a few months ago. Uh, my neighbor knows how to get down there. Apparently it's awesome. Yeah. So he's like pretty, pretty cool about that with like, you know, Sharing opening land. up aspects of it. Yeah. You gotta go knock up on his door and say, Hey, you got the fastest horse. Are you securing it correctly, sir? Yeah. One, oh, I mean, I know. I, I got to have CNBC up. So when I see him down there and I know the backdrop, I'm just going to get in the car, drive over, <laughs> no. probably get shot, honestly, but uh, <laughs> I'm a door to door, multi-six yeah. salesman. Hello, sir. sir. <laughs> Sometimes that's what it takes, you know? Yeah. I bet you he, I, it might just be crazy enough where he would listen. He's to not going to answer a cold email. You got to go knock on his door. No, no chance. Yeah. Comes I up. barely answer a cold email, let alone Paul Tudor Jones. The amount I get on a daily basis of people trying to come on the show just like shit coiners. It's like, I don't even look at my, you should anymore. just have like 300 of them on at the same time. I've, I've just actually thought about party, that. like a lemming party doing or not, maybe not 300 at a time, but I have thought about answering like, yeah, let's do this. And just grilling the person. Yeah. And I envision that me like, you can't post this. And me being like post a hundred percent video on too. Yeah. Oh, we're live. You didn't know we're live. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh. man. All right. This has been fun. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. It's a long time coming. It has been. What, uh, anything we should touch on 
as it pertains to Unchained before we wrap up? Covered a lot. No, I mean, thanks for, yeah, thanks for hearing me out. I didn't know exactly what we were going to get into today. I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously personally excited about everything happening in Bitcoin and then Unchained. Uh, I think, you know, it's been a long bear market, a lot of people, uh, and Unchained everywhere else, all the other Bitcoin companies. It's been good to see people building. Uh, I follow that no BS Bitcoin telegram feed and just like, you know, it's like release notes every day. Right. And so a lot of people have been shipping. We're going to keep shipping and I'm excited for when the uh, momentum starts building again to see if, uh, you know, what we built stands, stands the test of time. Yeah. If you're looking for some peace of mind, go to unchained.com. That's right. Set up a consultation. We call this mid roll. <laughs> Tell them the TFTC sent you. <laughs> no, honestly, I mean, I've had this show, this company, myself personally, I've had a very intimate relationship with Unchained for years now. I could be prouder of what you guys have built and how far this has come and the fact that we work down the hall from each other now. It's uh, It's been really cool to see. Yeah, we appreciate the support. It was a nice short John over here. Um, it's cool to see what y'all are building down here in Austin and it's cool to just see too, just Joe and Drew who founded Unchained still here as the founders, like just see some of the stuff that they envisioned years ago, like come to life has been pretty rewarding for everyone at Unchained too. Yeah. You got to come down more often. You should come to every bit devs. I could be in the cards. I got two, two little ones at uh, home right now. Like. Yeah. I'm not going to put that yeah. pressure on. Bring my son Fitz. He'll, uh, he'll love it. <laughs> <laughs> Good heckler. This is a, Child-friendly bit, as we do have Isn't kids. It? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot different than three, four years ago. Everyone had multiple kids since then. <laughs> yeah. You get locked down, you get, you're with your wife a lot, you know, you're going to have kids. <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll end it there. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Peace, love, freaks. Sticky.